Well, we certainly have appreciated all the calls this morning. You guys have just been doing a wonderful job co-hosting the show along with uh, me and Marco. Good one. Yeah. Our toll-free number is 866-916-3776. Right now, we're going to be welcoming correspondent Jim uh, Crisula. Did I say your last name right, Jim? Perfect. You did. Thank Uh, you. All right. Uh, We welcome you this morning here uh, on the Morning Jam. We want to talk about Uvalde and some of the latest information that's coming down about that particular story. Um, It seems like just when you think there can't be anything new, something new comes out, doesn't it? That's right. Within the last couple of days, uh, the Texas Tribune and ProPublica released, they they got and then released 911 calls from the school uh, during the shooting back in May. Uh, again, we all know what happened there. 19 students shot and killed, two teachers shot and killed. And as you can imagine, very chilling, sobering calls placed to 911 operators. Uh, students calling in, a teacher calling in from a classroom at one point, uh, pleading for help, pleading for them to send authorities. Uh, they also uh, released some uh, dispatcher audio, two-way communication, police radio communications, if you will. And at one point, the, a dispatcher is telling uh, police officers, responding officers, that a student just called from a classroom and said uh, he was there with many, many victims, many dead bodies. Mm. So again, very sobering, very difficult even to listen to, to hear the fear and, and the voices on those calls. So do you think that that this was beneficial to put this out for public consumption, just personally? I, I think one of the reasons this was done, I, 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 and again, I've covered this story. I was in Uvalde mm-hmm. for about a week and a half after the shooting. Uh, got there the next morning. And I, I think one of the reasons this was put out, again, the whole narrative about the police response and the delayed response that we all know about. Mm-hmm. The police were in that building for an hour before they moved into the classroom to confront the gunman. But again, I think, uh, going back to the question, I I think one of the reasons this was put out was to again show uh, much of the communications breakdown. At one point on these calls that were released, again, the radio dispatch calls that were released, they reported that one of the officers on the scene in the school erroneously reported that the now-fired Uvalde School District Police Chief, Pete Arredondo, was in the classroom with the gunman. Uh, that was false. He wasn't. He was outside of the classroom. So, hmm. uh, again, I, I think, you know, so so many uh, questions about the response still. And, and I can tell you, uh, understandably, a lot of angry people still in, in Uvalde, Texas. The, mm-hmm. the anger there. We, we've seen many subsequent school board meetings, city council meetings, county board meetings, and and people affected by the shooting, those who lost loved ones, children, and and spouses and colleagues have been showing up at these meetings and really expressing anger and frustration and rage over what they see to be a lack of accountability. Well, and just the sheer incompetence, I'm sure. Sure. Yes. Obviously, and and I I, it, it, I I remember being struck in the days after the shooting, maybe the second day after the shooting. I would say, if I remember correctly, back in May, being there, 
how you you felt a shift. You sensed a real shift in Uvalde from the initial anger. I'm sorry, from the initial grief mm-hmm. and disbelief to anger and rage and frustration again over the lack of what people perceived to be as a lack of accountability, and, and then the questions started coming in about the police response and all of that. Well, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get hung up that, well, the police have a duty to go in there and stop that shooter. Yes, they do. But they also have a duty to get in there and get medics in there because you have people bleeding out. So, sure. So, sure. you know, we can think about, well, yeah, they messed up because they didn't go in and, and, and stop that threat. But we also have to think about they have a duty. And there's a lot of folders and subfolders of that word duty. They have a duty to go in there and help those people that have been injured. They're bleeding out. I mean, it, it's horrible to say, but it's it's the facts mm-hmm. of the case. You have sure. to get in there, and you have to get the medics in there to render first aid. That's what they're there for. Police are there to save lives on a scene like that, and you have to do it. You know, human might, nature might say, hey, who wants to go into a situation like that where you, you realize you could very well be shot and killed yourself? But conversely, that that goes with the territory of being a police officer. It does. Right. It so does. Again, and, and Marco, know, so, Marco is a former police officer, so yeah. he knows this better than the average sure. bear. He's sure. probably more frustrated than anyone. Oh, it's it's very frustrating. When I took that oath, I, you know, when I held my right hand up, it's not just repeating after what the chief and the city manager and the mayor are telling me to do. It's it's I may have to do something that I may not want to do one day because people sure. are depending on me to come in there and do the right thing. And like it or not, that's what I have to do because I chose that career goes with the job, goes with the territory, right. and you realize that. Yeah. So you were there in Uvalde. So you you stood with the, the family members of, of many of these victims. Um, there is a Democratic Texas senator now who has announced a policy proposal to establish a $300 million fund to support the victims of, of this um, shooting. That, that took the lives of the 19 students and two teachers. Um, yes. Do you think it's fair to say that, especially the the people who survived, are going to need a lot of of help to recover from this tragedy if they can recover? Oh, absolutely, sure. And again, uh, situation Uvalde is a small town, relatively small town, fifteen to twenty thousand people. So again, it's one of these situations where. Uh, most everybody knows somebody who knows somebody closely impacted by this, obviously, or who lost a loved one. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, a lot of grief in the uh, in the community, uh, and and again, I'm, I'm sure that many of these people, uh, certainly the students, uh, the kids who saw classmates shot and killed in front of them, or a mm-hmm. teacher, how are they ever going to recover from this? Uh, you you doubt they will. Uh, so again. Um, you mentioned the state senator. He's been very vocal and uh, in, in fighting for his constituents and, and, and fighting again this idea that there's been no no accountability. I mentioned earlier that, yeah, the Uvalde police chief, school district police chief, was fired. It, it was kind of interesting in Texas, each school system has its own police force separate from the local police department, and, and Marco, and I found that interesting. I've never and, and heard was, of that. Yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't either, and it was my understanding when I was there, and I've been there a couple of three times since to Uvalde as well, that 
that that was a Texas law that was implemented after a high school shooting in Santa Fe, New Mexico, five years ago. That was one of the responses to that shooting in which several students and teachers were killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came up with this decision, hey, let's have school districts form their own police departments. Which which means that Uvalde should have been even better right, prepared, prepared to respond to that. You would think because so, Because that's yeah. what they and, do. And, so do we think, gentlemen, do we think what ended up happening here is then we just end up with a lot of small departments with mediocre trained people? Is that what happened, do we think? Well, again, there were reports. And in fact, it was ironic, I think, that the Uvalde City Police Department had just put on their Facebook page less than a week before the shooting a picture of their SWAT team mm. in touting the SWAT team's preparation and training for a mass shooting. Wow. But again, I think that in I certainly I think what came into play too here, Marco, and again, you would know this better than I, with your background and your training and your your previous history, you know, of being a police officer, mm-hmm. is was there a question of who exactly was in charge? Mm. Yeah. When, and, when you get so many, you know, you have something like 150 officers, I think, on the scene. Right. Ultimately, you know, the federal, state. Remember that it was a federal border patrol team of agents, right. a SWAT team, who actually shot and killed the gunman? Right. They they actually they apparently said, "Hey, the heck with this. Yeah. We're going." They to had the children class. in the school. Yeah. Thank, thank goodness One somebody them, yes. finally did yes. something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's command structure. You know, a lot of these, a lot of states have the green light on top of a fire vehicle. You know, the supervisor's vehicle, and that is telling officers when they get to the scene, you go to the vehicle with the blue with the green strobe on the top, and that's the command, right there. That's where yes. you go and get your, what are we going to do? Who's going to do it? That's the command post. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd be, I, I wonder if they had that or if everybody was running around uh, giving orders and, and who knows? Well, and here's, and here's the question. I mean, because I, I don't know how useful I think releasing some of this stuff is to the public. However, if people can come and analyze this right. and we can grow from it and right. learn from it. I mean, one of the things we learned is your schools have to be the first line of defense. Close your dang doors and lock them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. A. Yeah. Uh, and, and then are these small departments, is that the answer? Maybe not. Yeah, and I think sometimes the smaller departments get into that mindset that it'll never happen here. We right. Don't, we don't have to really train as much because it's not going to happen in little you know little did, town usa did you hear that um when you were there uh is, is that something that you heard from people that they couldn't believe it was happening here jim oh sure yes absolutely yes okay. yes and, and um, again in a very rural tight-knit community heavily hispanic it's uh uvalde a little geography lesson is about 80 miles west of san antonio and about 70 miles north of the Rio Grande River and the Mexican border, uh, Laredo specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, a farming community, obviously, uh, but very close knit. Mm-hmm. Uh, heavily mm-hmm. Catholic community, right. of course, with with the Hispanic prevalence there. Uh, in fact, um, the the local Catholic church. I remember. I think it was the Sunday after the shooting. The president, and first lady, were there. They went to mass. 
at that church, and then that church ultimately was where most, if not all, of the funerals were. Wow. Wow. Well, you have, have certainly given us a, a different snapshot, uh, having been there. And Uvalde, Jim, we hope you'll join us again on the show. We've enjoyed uh, talking with you very much. Sure. My pleasure, guys. All good, right. good information, Jim. Thank yes. you. Jim Crisula, he is a correspondent with CBS News. And uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed that him. was good. Good it stuff. It was good stuff. We'll be back. And we thank you for being a part of the show this morning on The Morning Jam. Give us a call, 866-916-3776. We'll, uh, it's Open Line Thursday. We'll talk about anything. We are the Morning Jam.